Welcome to the Canary in a Coal Mine podcast. I am your host, Ari Hoffman. I was never a person who was into guns. I'm not a gun guy. I was always content with a Louisville slugger next to my bed. I have very curious children, my son and my nephew. They're like Master Blaster from the Mad Max movie. When they were two years old and they were born a day apart, they figured out a way. We had this lock on the pantry that was very high up. They figured out a way between the two of them to pick the lock. One is the brains, one is the brawn, and the other one lifted one in the air so that he could figure out how to do the lock and get into the snacks in the pantry. Those are the kind of kids we have around the house. So having guns in the house was not something I wanted to do. Unfortunately, the crime in Seattle has gotten so bad that we even had to bring armed guards to the Jewish cemeteries in Seattle. What do I mean by that? I am on the board for some Jewish cemeteries in Seattle, and the people on the streets of Seattle have been sneaking into the cemetery at night to deal drugs, to run prostitution, to use drugs. We've even found people passed down the cemeteries that we thought were dead because they were on the verge of an overdose. I don't mean to laugh at that. It's just, it's that absurd. I don't know why they find a cemetery such an appealing place. We even found people having sex on the tombstones. Now, when you think about this, why that kind of, how that physics works, they're flat tombstones that lay on the ground. They're not the kind you're used to seeing. So we even had to bring armed guards out to our cemetery to keep it safe from what's going on in the streets of Seattle. Every day you're hearing stories about people being assaulted downtown. You're hearing about tourists being assaulted downtown and being harassed. And it's making it into the tourism blogs where people are saying, I went to Seattle. I was expecting this beautiful city. I've heard so many wonderful things about it. And it's disgusting. There's people everywhere. There's tents everywhere. There's crime everywhere. There's open air drug use in downtown Seattle. What happened? Last night in Seattle, there was a shooting. Eight people were shot, including a nine-year-old child. One of the people died. They found one of the suspects in the hospital. He had been shot. And two suspects are still at large. This was some kind of gang-related incident. We don't know all the details of what happened yet, but this happened smack dab in the middle of downtown Seattle. Why is this shooting such a big deal? One, it closed down the entire area around Amazon and all these other tech companies and hundreds of people were trapped in their offices because they couldn't go anywhere because of all this. Transit got shut down. People couldn't go anywhere. It was all over the news. It even made national news. It was the third shooting in two days, the second shooting that day alone. That corridor, that location, third between Pike and Pine and fourth between Pike and Pine, that whole area is known for the crime that's been going on there the past few years. And it didn't used to be that way. What's happening is you go there in the middle of the day and you will see people shooting up heroin in public. You will see people selling stolen goods on the streets. You will get harassed. You will get yelled at. It is not a safe place to go. And that's the middle of the tourism hub of Seattle. That's how out of control things have gone. So last night, there's this massive shooting. And on social media, people are already saying that the mayor and the politicians are, of course, going to blame this on the guns and not on what's really causing it. Let's get in a little deeper to what's really going on in Seattle. Criminals are going through a revolving door justice system. What do I mean by that? They get arrested for whatever infraction is, whatever crime there is, and they are almost immediately sent back onto the streets. There's a program called the Law Enforcement Assisted Diversion Program, otherwise known as LEAD. The LEAD program, I would love to tell you exactly what they do, but their website says the Seattle King County LEAD website is currently being revamped and will be shortly updated and relaunched. Basically, here's what they do. In theory, if it's your first 
crime or you don't really belong in prison, like you have a mental illness or you have a drug addiction problem, they divert you into some other kind of program, a mental health institution, drug rehab, or if it's your first offense, maybe some kind of counseling or some kind of community service. So that way you don't have to go to jail. Interesting idea in theory. The problem is in practice, it's not working. Things have gotten so bad in Seattle that the businesses downtown commissioned a report this year. It was called System Failure, and it described prolific offenders. What they did was they found 100 prolific offenders in Seattle, people who committed crimes all the time, and studied their cases. And they found out that these people had dozens of priors, dozens of warrants. One guy even had 74 prior convictions and was still out on the streets. This guy was arrested again after this report came out. And then as soon as he was released, was rearrested for throwing coffee, burning coffee in a toddler's face of a family that was visiting town and then got rearrested. After this report came out, the news media started tracking these guys and found out that most of them had been rearrested since the report came out. Some of them were featured in the documentary special, Seattle is Dying. This is what's going on in Seattle. These guys are being picked up by the police department, and then the prosecutors are not pressing charges or diverting them into some other kind of program, and they aren't showing up for what they're supposed to be going to. They're not showing up for the rehab. They're not showing up for the mental health. They're just being let loose on the streets, and the cycle continues. Most of them are have these kind of issues that they're suffering under and at the same time there's only about a hundred of them that they profiled and they're causing the bulk of the crime downtown it reminded me a lot of what was going on in new york city in the 1980s where you had these squeegee men so you would drive off the highway and these guys would come running over to your car as soon as you got onto manhattan island and start spraying this dirty water on your window and start squeegeeing off your windshield and you didn't want that but as soon as you said no they started yelling at you and if you didn't pay them they started yelling at you and sometimes they got violent so the Giuliani administration started cracking down on these guys. And while it seemed like there were thousands of them, there were really only hundreds of them. And most of them had priors. So once you got rid of them, quality of life improved. Downtown Seattle, they haven't done that. They're still on the streets and things are just getting worse and worse. This bad policy that Seattle has, has been given awards, this lead program, about how successful it is. And yet, last year, I went to meet with the director of lead and a few of the staff members to better understand the program. When I asked the most basic question, they didn't have answers for them. How many people are in the program? How many people have you helped this year? How many people have you failed with this year? How many people are contributing members of society? They didn't know any of the answers to those questions. Right away, that sends up red flags because I know that when I worked for nonprofits and I ran youth organizations and synagogues and schools and everything that I was involved in, I knew the stats of those organizations backwards and forwards. So how come they don't? One of the theories is that they're relying on data from 2011, 2014, when LEAD was in the pilot program stage, and they haven't redone the numbers since then because the program seems to be failing. When you have all these prolific offenders out on the streets again and again and again, this diversion program isn't working because sometimes people are such a danger to society, you have to keep them incarcerated. But of course, if you suggest that, you're not compassionate. You're a horrible human being. So these guys who shot up downtown Seattle yesterday in some kind of gang warfare have over 60 priors between the two of them. Think about that for a second. These guys were on the streets and had over 60 priors. They both had warrants out for their arrest as well. This is what we're talking about. This is what we're dealing with. Just a cycle, this never-ending cycle of being re-released.
Think about what happened in New York with the anti-Semitic attacks that happened in December. Every single night of the holiday of Hanukkah, there was a different anti-Semitic attack on Jews living in New York or New Jersey. The two worst ones was a guy showed up at a synagogue with a machete and started hacking people. And the other one was two shooters showed up at a grocery store and killed a few people. And the theory on that attack was actually the door was right next to the door of a Jewish school. And they were, they were planning on shooting up the Jewish school and just got the wrong door. A lot of the suspects, not the ones in the shooting and not the one in the machete, but the ones in the other attacks were people who had priors on their records, were arrested, and quickly re-released, and then re-arrested for other crimes they had done because New York has a new system in place about bail reform, which they just put into place, and already you can see the horrible effects of it. I'm going to quote from the New York Post here. The legislation requires arraignment judges to set free suspects in any non-sexual assault that doesn't actually cause a physical injury, even in cases of hate crime attacks. The no-jury loophole will mean a quick get-out-of-jail-free card for all but one of the accused attackers in the eight Hanukkah-timed anti-Semitic bias crimes that have been terrified have been terrified the city's Orthodox communities. This is the same kind of reforms that we are talking about in Seattle under the LEAD program. LEAD claims it diverts people who don't belong in jail, but I can't find any proof of what they're actually doing. In my conversations with them, I can't find illustration of what they're actually doing. I just hear it's so successful, we have to keep doing it. To the mayor's credit, and I'm a frequent critic of the mayor, Jenny Durkin of Seattle, she actually stopped funding for the LEAD program this year, pending an investigation by an outside consulting agency to find out what the real numbers are. If even she is looking into this, something's not right. I don't have much hope that this is going to actually hold it up. Because unfortunately, in Seattle, the city council overrides the mayor constantly, and the other programs she has tried to stop have all gone through. The visuals on the streets of Seattle do not match Leeds' claims of success. Every day, there is another story. Every day, something else is going on. Now let's take it back to New York for a minute. Peter Weiland, he broke into a girl's dorm at Yeshiva University in Manhattan. That's a girl's dormitory at a college, and began setting fires to the building. Once again, according to the New York Post, he was released without bail following his arrest, only to be sprung again when he was allegedly caught trespassing on Staten Island hours later. He was also busted and let go again after allegedly menacing a Brooklyn housemate on December 5th, sharpening a knife outside their door while calling out, here, piggy, piggy, piggy. When the government does not protect its own citizens, citizens will take their safety into their own hands. According to the Washington Examiner, gun permit applications surged nearly 1,000% in New York's Jewish community since the 13 anti-Semitic attacks in December. Now, there's a problem with trying to get a gun in New York. The gun laws are so strict that pretty much you can't get a gun unless you work for a security agency or have a job like collecting coins from an arcade or a laundromat. If they even do that anymore, you're carrying large amounts of money, maybe for an armored car company. Then you're allowed to carry a weapon or if you're in law enforcement. Aside from that, it's nearly impossible to get it. And people just want to attack, uh, protect themselves. People want to keep their family safe. When I ran for Seattle City Council, my family received multiple death threats, strange phone calls, doxing of my home and my office. As far as I know, I was the only candidate for Seattle City Council out of 57 candidates who needed security guards. Obviously, my Louisville slugger was not going to cut it anymore. It got so bad, my 12-year-old son... God bless him. He was on my computer one night and I, we had been keeping the whole thing from the kids. And 
he I accidentally left my browser open and he saw what was going on. So the next day he came up to me and he asked if he could have a knife to protect his family. I said, what are you talking about? What do you need to protect from? He goes, from the people trying to kill us. You left your browser open. I saw it on your computer. Ironically, the threats against my family came from believers of an ideology that is against gun ownership. I still get threats when I post online, when I do podcasts, especially from Antifa, who claim to be anti-fascist and have proven that they are anything but. I still get them, and my campaign ended in August. My family and I were targeted because we were Jewish, not because of my politics. And extremists like Antifa, who do this, are only pushing somebody like me, who had no prior feeling on firearms or anything else like that, to go towards the people who are going to keep me safe, especially when the government is failing me. So now, today the mayor had a press conference about everything that happened with the shooting downtown. And the most tragic thing about it was we all predicted what she was going to say word for word, that it's about gun control, that we have to get rid of the guns. If there had been one good guy with a gun, this thing would have been over pretty quick. Instead, there's a person dead, seven others in the hospital. Two guys with tons of priors are on the loose in Seattle. And she kept using the word safe again. Safe, safe, safe. Everything's safe. We want everything to be safe. Everything is safe in Seattle. Well, obviously, she hasn't noticed that the violent crimes have been skyrocketing in Seattle. Apparently, the Seattle Times hasn't noticed that either. The Seattle Times ran an article last week talking about how crime is down in Seattle and they don't know what anybody's talking about. You had to read the fine print to really understand what this article said. They mentioned in passing, oh, unreported crimes might be up because people like me stopped calling the police. Why? We're operating at 60% of capacity of the number of officers we are supposed to have in Seattle. What does that translate to? I did a ride along with Seattle police last year. There were four units covering an area meant for eight or nine units. So when there was an accident down at the light rail, four cars were blocking off corners, interviewing people. Meanwhile, the amount of calls coming in was rising and rising and rising and rising, and there was nobody there to deal with it. There aren't enough officers on the street. Why? Because our elected officials constantly demonize them and stop them from doing their work. And as a result, they're laterally transferring to other police departments in other cities. They're accepting lateral transfers. Seattle even voted them a pay increase this year and signing bonuses, and they still can't recruit police officers which is why we're operating at 60% of capacity. We don't have enough police. And they keep doing these things called emphasis patrols, where they take police from one part of Seattle and move them to another, so the crime skyrockets in one place and maybe goes down a little bit in the other, but there's still not enough of them. So people like me start thinking about what other options do we have? The mayor can say a thousand times in her press conference, which she did, safe, secure, safe, secure. It reminds me of that movie Night and Day with Cameron Diaz and Tom Cruise. I enjoyed it. You may not have. But the best part about that movie, to me, that relates to this situation here, is Tom Cruise tells Cameron Diaz that if guys show up at her door and keep using words like safe and secure, they're going to kill her and that she's not safe and not secure. And that's how I felt watching the mayor's press conference today. It was absurd. She blamed gang violence. She did not blame gang violence. She blamed gun control or asked for us to institute more gun control, talked about how we have the strictest gun control in the state in Seattle. So then if you have the strictest gun control in the state, you want more gun control? Why don't you try enforcing the laws we have? Brandy Cruz, who's a reporter with Q13, actually grilled her on this and said, what about the people rotating out of the justice system? You're not enforcing the laws you have. 
And the mayor went back to, well, it's going to be a combination of factors. Everybody has to pitch in. She mentioned that citizens have to pitch in and police have to pitch in and the prosecutor's office have to pitch in. She even said that McDonald's, the place that got shot up last night, has to pitch in. So now it's McDonald's fault that a bunch of gangbangers in downtown Seattle shot up a bunch of people. It's absurd. It's out of control. When I hear about attacks at synagogues or other institutions with a body count, I always assume there are no members who are carrying weapons. This is unfortunately the new normal. A good guy with a gun can stop a horrible, horrible tragedy from happening. And that's what we're going to have to do. If you looked at the Texas shooting in the church, it's not a good case because that guy owned his own range. That guy trained every single day, but he was able to take that guy out with one shot. At our synagogues in Seattle and around the world and around the country, we have security guards standing outside of them because we're so frequently targeted. We get emails weekly about the threats assessed against our organizations. This is the kind of stuff we have to deal with. This is our new normal paradigm in America. So this diversion program isn't working. They're rolling it out in New York and people in New York are upset. Here's something else that's crazy about the law in New York. Do you know that when the person's released, they're allowed to get the address of the person who accused them? So now this person has been released from jail and they know where you live. How messed up is that? That's what we're dealing with in Seattle. That is the kind of thing that is going on and going on and has not stopped because the prosecutors are letting these guys go. There's a new city council member. His name is Andrew Lewis. He was just elected recently. Before this, he was an assistant district attorney in Seattle. I went to observe court one day, and Andrew Lewis happened to be the district attorney who was prosecuting crimes. And there was a guy who did not show up for his court appearance who had a felony in front of him for assault. He didn't show up for his court appearance because he was in Yakima, which is another city far away from Seattle, about a few hours drive. And he was in jail there for assault. And Andrew Lewis was asking the court not to issue a bench warrant for his arrest. Now, you may think, oh, Yakima doesn't have Seattle's problems. There's actually a video of Yakima County releasing prisoners under the light rail, the monorail of Seattle in the dark of night. They are literally releasing these guys into downtown Seattle because they know they can get whatever they want. They'll be out of their hair and just sending them out in Seattle. The whole video is online. If you want to see it, just Google it. It's there. So Andrew Lewis wasn't asking for sentencing for these guys or for bench warrants for these guys. He kept going the diversion route. And you wonder, why do they keep doing this? What's the method behind it? What is the thinking behind it? Because to me, it makes no sense whatsoever why you would continue with this failed policy. They think they're having compassion. All they're doing is subjecting us to their terrible policies where people are getting assaulted, businesses are being broken into, tourists are being assaulted regularly. I don't think a day has gone by this year where I haven't heard some story about something awful that happened in Seattle thanks to one of these guys. This is the kind of bad policy that makes a city more dangerous to live in for its citizens. Don't say I didn't warn you. One other thing I want to talk about today, because I always give you the heads up on the good things and the bad things. So something that I want to make sure to warn you about in a good way, though, is the TV show Picard just came out today. I am a huge, huge Star Trek fan, and I loved The Next Generation. And when I heard they were coming back with another TV show, I was just hoping it wasn't going to be anything like Discovery, which I can't stand which I can't stand. I think that um, Discovery is probably the worst Star Trek I've ever watched. And I think that the Orville is a better Star Trek show than Discovery. So Picard came out today. I am going to do this spoiler free. 
it's great. Don't expect the next generation because that's not what it is. But so far, it's great. One episode has come out. It's great. I have nothing to complain about. If you want to catch up, go rewatch Nemesis. Go rewatch the rebooted first Star Trek movie just called Star Trek. That's all you really need to know, even if you've never watched Star Trek before, heading into this show. But it's great. It's fantastic. And I'm telling you, you're going to enjoy it. And as I sign off every single episode, don't say I didn't warn you.